Dancers have a lot to balance. From their pirouettes to their jumps, a dancer's performance is a direct result of hard work and motivation. So where does food fit into this? There's a lot of myths and a ton of antiquated ideals about what a dancer's diet should look like. And I'm here to dispel those. I'm Rachel Fine, registered dietitian nutritionist and founder of To The Point Nutrition. I'm the dance nutritionist and I'm here to tell you that to be a successful dancer, you don't have to diet. Instead, I'll teach you how to use food as your best tool to enhance your performance. A nourishing meal plan not only fuels your dancing, but also enhances your strength, improves your balance, supports your flexibility, and most importantly, reduces your risk to injury. Hi. Hi. Can you hear me? Because I'm going to try to talk quietly so my baby doesn't wake up. I can hear you perfectly. Okay, great. Definitely talk quietly. Okay, great. <laughs> we definitely don't want her waking up. I know the feeling of that, right? <laughs> How's everything going? It's going okay. I'd rather be dancing, but I'm healthy and I have a lot to be grateful for. So, yeah, Absolutely. You know, how has it just this transition been for New York City Ballet just in this time uh, from when the season already, the fall season I know has been canceled. So how's everyone really holding up? We're bummed because I think even yeah. past that, we're just very unsure yeah. and you know, kind of like wish I had a essential career. <laughs> like I'm sad it's not essential, but obviously I get it. And I, it's a weird thing that what you do involves like a couple thousand people. Like mm. the audience yeah. is like, definitely, you know, so the, we're going to be the last of the last to get back to normal. Um, and even mm. just to get back into a studio is going to be a hard thing because we're a really large company. So we're, we're bummed, but I think that it's this forced time to like find other things to stay well-rounded. Yeah, so. absolutely. I, I just feel like this is such a challenging time for all of us, especially for us dancers, because we're so, um, I feel like we thrive on somewhat of a routine and structure and, you know, our whole training is built upon structure and a framework yeah. and just having that taking away is just uh, really tough. Yeah. But I keep telling like all the students I teach, this will make you more resilient yes. in the future. And, and, you know, there will be things that will, will benefit from this somehow someday we're learning some skills and we're learning how to maintain our fitness Mm -hmm. on our own so that Absolutely. you know no one will be afraid to go take a two-week vacation like they were before <laughs> yeah yeah it, you know it's so true because one major source of anxiety for so many dancers is that break from what they know and, yeah. and their schedule and their training and having this forced break and and really having it be extended has just been the absolute ultimate test I think to all of our sanity so um, I agree I I definitely if there's any positive that we can see, it's that down the road, we'll learn from this experience and learn how to not just train ourselves, but what we'll be talking, you and I will be talking about today, just learning how to fuel yourselves uh, in yeah. 
whether it's for training or whether it's while you're dealing with not dancing as much. Uh, so that right. being said, Megan, I'd love to just dive into some of the questions that I had messaged you about. Um, so as you know, a lot of dance students face challenges just throughout their training, uh, whether that be surrounding food or body image. And I'm just curious to hear from you if there were ever any major challenges, whether in your pre-professional days or in your professional days that you felt you um, just dealt with and even how you overcame them. Um, you mean before I was in New York City Ballet? Uh, yeah, we can start with before. I would say more in the pre-professional student yeah. world. Yeah, I mean, I I'm pretty petite, mm -hmm. um, but then in, in that, it has its own um, uh, kind of moments of doubt that, you know, like, first of all, am I going to even be tall enough? But then when you're shorter, you sometimes kind of feel like you can put on weight really easily Absolutely. or re really, really quickly. Um, and for me, I think the struggle was going through puberty and like getting boobs was like the hardest thing as a dancer for me as a young student. Um, like, I remember I went to SAB one summer and then I came back the second summer and I saw all my friends and one of like my gay friends was like, oh my God, you have such cute boobs now. And I was like, what? <laughs> like I had like no idea about it. And I was then right. suddenly, oh my God, so self-conscious. And he was saying it like a positive thing, but I was like, you know, as a dancer, like you're like, are we even allowed to have boobs? Like it's like this, like mm -hmm. you're, you're just like constantly worried that you fit in. Yeah. And, and when you're going through puberty, that's a really hard thing because your body changes every single day. I would say for me from like 15 to like 20, I was like, woo, woo, like you just don't know what you're going to get. And yeah. especially when it matters to like, at least being in a company at a young age at 17, you go in and you need to fit into the costume mm -hmm. that you tried on last week. And like, mm -hmm. if your hormones are crazy out of whack, that's a really hard thing to feel like you just don't trust what you, you don't know yet in life too. You don't have those tools and skills of knowing what's balanced for you and what you can let yourself do. And then what's a little too much. And it's this pressure cooker where you're, you're, you're focusing on it too much. And I think that makes it really, really difficult. So that was, that was a problem for me. And I, I really, I think all young ballet dancers look in the mirror and compare themselves too much and, and, even shortly after those years, I was very aware that like, you can absolutely not get through that time doing that. Like, and I knew that wasn't what I was yeah. supposed to be doing, but it's almost like a guilty pleasure to like sure. me measure, measure yourself up and be like seeing, you know, so, so for me, that was the struggle and that took, you know, it takes those years to get over that. Mm -hmm. Definitely. You know, I see a lot, I work with a lot of just dance students, younger dancers between the ages of uh, even as young as 11 to around that uh, right before they're becoming an apprentice or joining a company. So like 17, 18. And what is really tough is when you're going through those years of your body changing, not like you said, you pinned it, not knowing where you're going to fall with your body. And then where the dangers come in is when we try and control these changes. You know, if we start getting boobs and we start gaining weight and then we start to get nervous about that because it's like you said, you know, 
is this okay for a ballet dancer? Is this going to help me fit in with the demands of the company that I'm striving for? So then we see a lot of disordered behaviors, disordered eating, restricting what we're eating. Um, and that could down the road be very detrimental to the very career that you're working so hard on. So I think totally. that as dancers, you know, th those ages of those prepudescent to adolescent ages are just so critical for growth as a dancer, but also just as a human and realizing yeah. that your body's going to change. It's a matter of really learning how to be okay with that. Yeah, it's a really hard thing. Like, you just don't know what you're going to end up as and if that's mm -hmm. going to fit in with what you want to do. I think exactly. that's for, true for any um, athlete, probably mm -hmm. gymnast, you know, they, they mm -hmm. get sized out height-wise. Like, those are just overwhelming years if you care about something and you really want to do it. Yeah. So now my next question is, was there ever a time in those years that you were training that you started to make this connection that what I was putting on my plate is going to impact how I perform, whether that just be in class, at an audition, or even on stage? You know, for me, it wasn't those years so much. It was more like when I was in the company, I'd say 17 to like 22 mm -hmm. is when it really, I, it was part of the whole experience for me in the school it wasn't such a big deal I was fitting in I and you know at a certain age you're kind of like able to eat whatever you want and it's no big deal but I do remember coming back from one summer course and I had gained pounds and mm -hmm. and I'm short and that's and I don't, I've never had a growth spurt mm -hmm. like I always grew two inches every year so that's a lot and I remember coming home and my mom explained to me I was like 15 she explained to me what a calorie was because my mom's a dietitian Oh, cool. Yeah, in a hospital, yeah. And um, and I remember being, it being the most depressing conversation of my life. And I was like, looking at all the food I normally love. And it was like the end of my childhood, you know? Yeah, yeah. That, and that's, you know, you bring up such a good point. Also, because when we start to get too honed in on the science of nutrition, like calories and macros, all of that education can be super helpful for a dancer because it can be helpful to learn how to fuel your performance. But, you know, many dancers do have a very type A perfectionist type mindset. So it's yes. like if, if we're turning that information into obsessions, yes. that's where we that's where like we have to be really careful uh, because it's not that any of these foods should be taken away from a young dancer, uh, but it is about learning, you know, what's going to help your performance and learning how to fuel yourself for a day of long rehearsals, of long classes, and then know when those foods can fit in right. for, for a day. Right. So that the, the eating for performance kind of really came in when I was in the company and I got into New York City Ballet at 17 and um, uh, probably a year in, I think I was an apprentice, I got a weight talk. Mm, wow. And um, ironically, I got promoted to principal at the exact same weight. Oh, wow. Three, three years later. Wow. Wow. That's, maybe, that's maybe. a very interesting point. Yeah. Maybe three, maybe it was even two years later. But mm -hmm. um, two and a half years later, I got promoted to principal exact same weight. And so I didn't, <laughs> looking back, I was like, was that even necessary? You know, I think mm -hmm. that, um, you know, you're doing all the right things and eating the right way. But like, I think there's a period of time where your just body looks a little swollen as like yeah. from at, during those puber 
puberty years. And, and definitely what changed was, you know, my muscles, like I became more athletic and, and, um, but from that weight talk, while it was like devastating to me and I just wanted more than anything to be in the company and I was like, I'll do what I need to do. I went home. Um, what, what I want to say is I realized that I needed to understand the seriousness of us being in our prime condition, eating for fuel and, you know, trying to build muscle and train. And I don't look at that as like, I, I never look at someone in their physical tip top shape as someone that has an issue. So I think for me, it was almost like the stigma of being a ballet dancer right. that you might have an eating issue. Mm -hmm. And it's almost like I went the other way to be like, I do not have an issue. See, I eat cookies and I was eating right. way too many cookies. Like, like you know, you bring, so, up, you bring up such a good point, you know, that there's this, there's definitely, I mean, yes, we see the disordered eating in the ballet world. We see it in a lot of sports, but at the same time, you, for those who really are understanding the seriousness of being their instrument, their, their instrument is their body um, as a dancer and the seriousness of being at your elite level, you do have to take major steps into making sure that you are giving your body the right fuel and especially enough fuel. You know, there's just a big misconception that ballet dancers don't eat. And obviously totally. that it couldn't be so far from the truth, uh, especially at your level, just because you know, calories are energy and I'm mm -hmm. sure making sure that those calories are spread throughout your day and are coming from balanced meals and snacks. And it's not just necessarily arbitrary or out of nowhere what you're eating, but putting thought and effort into it. Um, I think that goes with the nature of the sport or the art, right? Yeah. I had this really like mo this moment of revelation. I was on a gig, it must have been in my early 20s. Um, and I was with older people in the company and Wendy Whalen, who's now my boss, mm -hmm. um, was on the gig and we performed the night before. And then we were at the airport together um, waiting in line for breakfast. It was like seven in the morning. Mm -hmm. And um, she ordered a bacon, egg and cheese on like a roll or a croissant. And mm -hmm. I don't, for those of you that know Wendy, she is stick, stick thin. Yeah, she, I, I mean, I, I literally looked at her, I look at someone like that from afar and I'm like, they must have the most sad eat like plate of food to eat right. all day like I, I just think like how do, how are you that disciplined and restrictive and like she's not she just right. is working her butt off and that was this huge moment of you're supposed to eat like I realized I had to give myself permission and you think as a to achieve as a ballet dancer you're supposed to be like almost with an some type of issue you know yeah of and, course and, and um, seeing that made a huge difference for me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I will get contacted by parents of dancers who will surprisingly be nervous that their dancer eats too normally for a dancer, if that makes any sense. And, yeah. and I explained to them that really the long-term relationship with food comes into exactly what you just said, which is giving yourself permission to, yeah. to eat and to fuel yeah. your body and to realize that that's the only way your body is going to function as an athlete. Cause dancers yeah. are athletes, they're artists, but they're also athletes. So what, what my big mistake was, if I could go back and fix it was as I started getting a lot of big roles at New York City Ballet, the stress. Um, so I had been told to lose weight 
-hmm. you know, and I lost weight and then I lost a little too much because we went on tour and I was like not, you know, keeping up with what I was on the scale and I got way, way too far. So that's when I kind of realized for me, a scale is really important. It keeps mm -hmm. me less obsessive. Oh, wow. we can talk, talk, mm -hmm. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. um, if you spend your whole day in front of a mirror, if I know a number, then I'm like, I'm not going to look at me and like, every mirror is different. Why would I be yeah. judging what I look like in a mirror and judging what I look like next to other people? Like, I know, for me, as a, as a professional now, I have a range where I know I can perform well. And, sure. and I stay within that range, I have enough energy and it, um, and that I may, I'm light enough to get off the ground. Sure. So anyways, um, yeah. my, my big issue was I was too restrictive in those years. And, and I got a lot of big parts and I got pushed really hard. And I, and physically I should have been fueling myself more. Mm -hmm. And so because I was restrictive, then when I would give myself food, I could not stop. So yeah, right. I was in like a oh, bad binging cycle, probably from 20 to 22-ish. Mm -hmm. I don't know mm -hmm. how long it lasted. It, probably through a lot of my 20s, I struggled here and there mm -hmm. with it, but big time at the beginning of my 20s. And um, it was just, I, it was my body telling me, you're doing a schedule now where you need more. And I just yeah. wasn't giving myself that. Yeah. So that was that was my weird time of, being wrong in my head about food. And it was really scary because you, I could not, I had no connection between my head and my stomach. I could yeah. not tell when I was full and it was but, just totally so, messed up. I mean, that's an incredible point because when we exhibit too much restraint and too much control, we really lose touch with just the intuitive ability to actually connect our mind to our body, feeling full, feeling hunger, your body at the end of the day will revolt. Essentially what it was doing was almost like revolting and saying, no, I need more energy. You're not giving me enough energy when I need it. So those times when you're just sitting on your couch and it's a weekend and you are uh, you know, going in for a quote unquote splurge, then you're just going to take it that, that all or nothing mindset. And, and I think it's really important for dancers to realize that finding the middle ground and the ability that actually they need to feel more throughout the week um, is very important. Now, you said something really interesting about a scale measuring your body weight and that actually being helpful for you because you know where you perform best at. And I think that's really interesting because I just want dancers to realize that every dancer is different. Some dancers I find that having numbers like that doesn't help them, especially when their numbers are just coming from a very unrealistic place. But at your right. level and at your stage of the game, Megan, you know where you need to be. Um, well, and, I and it comes from experience. Like I'm not yeah. judging the number. Yes. I know what number I was at when I felt like I had strength on stage. Yes, yes. And so that's what I take it from. Yeah, great point. I mean, it, it comes from your experience. It comes from your level of knowing how you can perform with enough energy and not feel drained. And most importantly, not end up in that cycle of where you are, you know, eating during the week and then on another day, just going into that all or nothing mode. I remember um, so much in my 20s waking up and being like, I feel disgusting. I ate so gross yesterday. And I was like a detox day. That was a lot of my 20s. I remember I just couldn't I struggled to find the balance and that yeah, connection yeah. between knowing what you need. 
Right. And, you know, it's so common to just end up, end on that cycle, that cycle of like where you feel that way. And then really what it's doing is it's just setting you up again to have another, ex another experience where you're just going to go overboard. Um, but now just some quick questions about how you do like to fuel. Obviously now is a different time. We can't really compare because we're home and we're unfortunately not performing. But when you do have your performance schedule, what are some of your go-tos for your pre-performance snacks or meals? Definitely not a salad and mm. not a soup because mm. it's going to be like whoosh, whoosh, yes. yeah. <laughs> as you're jumping up and down or if a partner squeezes your stomach and picks you up in the air. Mm -hmm. So, um, I, it, it changes. Sometimes I'll have like a real meal at like, if it's like at three o'clock, mm -hmm. I can have a real meal before like a 730 show. Sure. And I can go get like, it, it's a place in New York called Dig In and you can get like okay, I love chicken and kale and like yeah. all the things. And I'll even get a side of macaroni and cheese if I yeah. perform the night before. And like, I eat this like really big thing with like vegetables and protein and all carbs and, and yeah. a little bit of everything. And, and so sometimes that's what I do. But if I'm dancing all day long leading up and I can't just like fill my stomach with a big meal four hours before I dance, then I, um, then I do like lots of little snacks. Like, so I'd go to the deli across the street from the theater and I'd get like string cheese, apple, banana, a cliff bar. Mm -hmm. um, I used to be obsessed with cottage cheese. I think I overdid it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even like going to go there anymore. I'll have mm -hmm. a small sandwich. I'll get a sandwich and, and sometimes I'll have only half of it. Like I kind of like, just like stock up. And one of my favorite things is maybe not the most healthy, but um, after like a really, really hard rehearsal, like I'll get, um, like a, a sandwich and a big bag of like really salty chips mm, because yeah. I just need more sodium. Yes. Yes. The electrolytes, right. Just from performing just to replenish them. That's a really good point. Uh, so it sounds like when you have time before your performance, when you have like a good three to four hours, you can do a really solid meal. But if it's a day that's just packed with classes and then in afternoon rehearsals before you get to the performance, it's more like you're just having to go prepared with the very easy emergency types of snacks. Yeah. Yeah. And it's more like just constant little snacks then throughout the day. And um, almost like you can't, you don't have enough time to eat. Anytime you yeah. have a minute, you just have another snack. And then Absolutely. at the end of the day is when I have my dinner. Um, right. So that's what I was going to ask you next, you know, what, what are your post-performance rituals when it comes to food and just winding down and recovery? Um, I don't do like, I don't have to come home and really take care of my body for some reason. I don't, mm -hmm. I don't do ice buckets or anything. I literally come home and usually my husband is like, we do blue apron. And oh, yeah, love it. I really love it because yeah. you have a variety of recipes and um, it just gets you eating different things. Yes. And it and it I think it's healthy for dancers because it it makes you realize, no, you can have this big plate of food because yeah. yeah. it's so easy to get into that snacking mindset as a dancer. Mm -hmm. So um, I really love Blue Apron. And, and so he'll have a blue apron for me, like warming in the oven and I'll sit and, and have a glass of wine, which is sometimes the most important part of the day. <laughs> of course. Um, you know, blue apron is so great. I recently did HelloFresh and it's also such a great option for a dancer who's busy because like you said, it 
it also, not just that you can have this big plate of food, but I think it shows dancers that they can have versatility in yeah. their day. You know, I think a lot of dancers will get very hung up on eating the same things day in and day out, just what's totally. comfortable for them. And I love those meal delivery options because they just really force you to think out of the box. And their ingredients are so, everything is fresh and local. Yeah. And uh, you're really working with just a lot of quality ingredients with those things. So I, I happen to love those as well. Yeah, I, I'm obsessed with Blue Apron. My life would be less interesting without it. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get that. I, it really does. And it makes life easy because you don't have to go to the supermarket and pick what, you know, figure out what you're getting and what ingredients you need. And I love that there's nothing wasted. There's no, yeah. like, if you need green onions, it gives you two. You yes, know, like, absolutely. it's not. <laughs> absolutely. So, Megan, my final question for you is just really general question, but how would you define what a healthy dancer means? I think a healthy dancer, you have to start with up here. Mm. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, it's, it's like all a head game in terms of eating and being happy. And you have to be, first of all, dancing because you love it mm -hmm. and, and not doing it for anybody else. That's important. Absolutely. And then you have to be dancing to your fullest potential and, and, and working and training your body to its fullest potential. And that is not the same as the person standing next to you at the bar. Mm -hmm. And we all have our strengths that we can maximize. That's not going to be the same for every person. And I think we get into negative mindsets when we, you know, we're standing in front of the mirror all day long being told that's not right. That's not right. That's not right. Do it better. Do it better. Mm -hmm. So I think if you can get, be in a gentle place here, I think that the food will work out more. And I think that we have to give ourselves permission to sit down with a placemat and have a, a real meal. You can always, as a dancer, start off your day with a real breakfast and a real dinner. Maybe in the middle, because we're training, you have to snack and you can snack in, in healthy ways. Yeah. Put, put the placemat down, put a nice drink and, and make a colorful plate mm -hmm. and, and like treat yourself. And, and if you take that time, I think the, the connection between the mind and the stomach stays a lot stronger. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the idea of just mindfulness, bringing mindfulness mm -hmm. back into your eating and making food an actual experience really can help so many dancers just rebuild their relationship with food. Again, something that can become so controlled and so uh, worrisome and, and very anxiety ridden. I think if we actually put thought into it, and that's not to bring up those meal services again, but that is what they help to do because they help to like reconnect us to just different types of foods and actually cooking your food. And now with COVID, just to go back to some of the first things we spoke about, one major positive is that we actually do have the time on our hands to really experiment with mindful eating. And like you said, totally. treating yourself with an experience with food. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm married to a French guy, and so... <laughs> there you go. That's that's all you have to say. I mean... It, yeah. <laughs> they take, like, two-hour lunches, you yeah. know? So yeah. I've, I've learned, like, how enjoyable a meal can be, and it doesn't have to be a stressful thing. I even remember when we very first got together, he, like, made me this amazing breakfast, and, and then I realized if you have this full plate of, like, fresh, healthy things, like, you don't need all of those snacks later because you feel satisfied. Absolutely. You know, dancers will get, like you said, so used to um, into the snacking mindset, which again, can be helpful for really busy days. But when you actually have the time, 
realizing that you can go out of your box and your comfort zone and really enjoy different types of foods and not have to worry about meeting this calorie goal because you're like you said, you're going to feel so satisfied. You might not want nor need the snacks in the afternoon after having a lunch like that. So I think that's just such a good point. Yeah. So Megan, thank you so much. This was absolutely wonderful. I loved speaking to you. Is there anything you want to leave us off with? No pressure, obviously, but just like to leave the mic open to you. Um, I would say be gentle with yourself right now for all the dancers, because this is a hard time. And I know people that are really overwhelmed, like, how am I going to stay in shape during yeah. this? Yeah, that's a and I think that there's a certain amount of like, just maintain enough mm -hmm. every day. You don't have to be going to the max and be like, you're going to perform and have to peak tomorrow. You know, we just, just, I'm for myself, I'm trying to do two things a day of exercise. And one of them is usually just taking the stroller and walking to the playground and, and going on like a 30, 40 minute walk, like, yeah, yeah. and then the other thing is sometimes like Pilates or something more like an actual like ballet class in my apartment. Mm -hmm. But, um, but other than that, then I'm just letting it go. And yeah. I, I, I know enough having come back from Broadway and coming back from having a baby that when you put your mind to it for that month, when we finally know we're going to be back, mm -hmm. you know, dancing, we'll all get there like that. Like we don't have to do it now. Just maintain enough to yeah. be enjoying your day. I, I couldn't relate to this more right now. I have a toddler at home also, and I'm pregnant now again. Oh, congrats. And thank you. And I will say that I was just asked the other day, you know, how does this pregnancy compare to my first? And I would say with my first pregnancy, just because I didn't know what was to come afterwards, this pregnancy, I feel more relaxed because I know, like you just said, there's going to come a time where I can do more and I can do yes. what I want to do. And I just during this time, have to be patient with myself, like not just pregnancy, but also with COVID, not having a studio open um, and not really loving virtual classes that much. I think that patience with yourself is just so important during a time like this and to be able to uh, really get through it. Yeah. Yeah. Just being gentle with yourself. I think we're also used to functioning at such a high level yeah. and pushing, pushing, pushing. And it's a different thing. And it's a good skill for us to all learn as dancers to be like, you know, and, and to be able to find that balance of it, of I'm letting myself right. just br breathe and experience this moment a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. That's wonderful. Megan, thank you so much for joining thank us. Thank you. And yay, my baby stayed asleep the whole time. I love that. <laughs> that that's the ultimate goal. <laughs> Megan, I'll talk to you soon.